Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. My guest today, Katie Thornton, is a licensed clinical social worker and EMDR trained therapist, licensed in nine states. Katie has extensive experience working with individuals, families, and groups through a variety of challenging circumstances. Katie believes that change happens when people are given the support they need to draw on their strengths and realize their potential to live fulfilling and happy lives. And I'm really excited to have her here with us today. And it's good to be here once again. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Katie up on stage. Hello, hello. Hi. Uh, Again, I will say thank you very much for joining me on the show. It's always difficult to start the show in a positive way because we are often talking about things that that are painful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm going to let you tell your story, starting where you will, because mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And uh, you can you can go ahead and I'll pop in when it's appropriate. Okay, okay. Um, so my name's Katie. I am here because I lost my dad to suicide. Um, I was a freshman in high school, so we're actually coming up on 20 years this year in March. Um, so it's kind of like a big milestone moment, I guess. Um, but yeah, I did lose my dad back in March of 2023, or sorry, 20 of 03. Um, so 20 years ago, March 18th, um, it's been a a rough road, but I think I'm kind of in this place now. And it took me a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of time where I'm like in this post-traumatic growth stage where for the longest time, it kind of shaped who I was, but not in a positive way. I'm from a very small town. So everyone in my town knew me and knew my family and knew my dad. Um, They knew what happened. So it, kind of became my identity in high school. Um, but it's not the identity that I wanted to live my life as. So I worked really hard and it, it was a journey. That's for sure. Where there are times that I maybe looks like I was kind of like running away from the situation to create my, my new identity of whatever my identity was outside of that girl that lost her dad to suicide. Um, But I think that I found her over time Um, and going through it defined me in a negative way to like it has shaped me and it has motivated me and pushed me to where I am and who I am today. So I am a licensed therapist now and I have 
no doubt that that's why I'm in the path that I'm on. Um, I developed like this sense of travel and adventure, which I think is also part of what, I don't know, it was like part of my journey of discovering myself and who I was because I would go and travel out on my own. So it was just me and my thoughts and my myself of figuring out who I was. So I think it helped it helped me to figure out who who Katie truly is, like just Katie by herself. Who is she? And I think that that helped me a lot. Well, I, I have to interject there because just that, like I hope you give yourself enough credit or how how together that was. Mm-hmm. But as a teenager, um, we don't always react to things really well, and and smaller, much smaller things than than losing your dad. Right. It it had to be very difficult, especially in a small town, because everybody does know what's going on with everyone else. Yep. Are you an only child? No, I have a younger brother. He is three years younger than me, so it's the two of us. That- we have very different lives. <laughs> you would yeah. think that we have different parents and grew up in different houses, but um, yeah, here we are. Same parents, same house. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how we can be that different. My sister was five years younger than me mm-hmm. and um, chalk and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other, other than, you know, the family resemblance, we were absolutely nothing alike. <laughs> but... How old were you when you first traveled on your own? I was, it was after college, after my undergrad. So I went to college at 18 and I intentionally picked a university where basically no one from my high school was going. I think two people from my class went, which I mean, isn't that many. So I was like, okay. I'm fine with that. So I intentionally picked a college that no one else was going to. So no one else would know me. Um, I ended up transferring two years in uh, and I ended up transferring to the school that most of my high school went to, (laughs) but it's, I mean, it's a large school. It's, it's Ohio state. So it's a large school. So um, I saw plenty of people from high school, but I also made a lot of connections outside of my high school. So it was good. And then I graduated from college in, 2010 and then in 2012 I moved to Korea uh, and I lived there for two years and that's where like my traveling really started is any long weekend or any break that I had from work I would go to another country and then when my I did that for the two years so 2014 I was working on my master's and I had to come home for my internship basically but instead of coming straight home I took the long way around and traveled around Southeast Asia and traveled around oh, wow. for like three months. So I got back in 2014, but I did three months of traveling at that time. Oh, wow. Were you an adventurous child? Um, I think it's always been in me. I like to, I, I mean, I grew up camping and sailing and all of that with my, my dad was a sailor So that's what we would do all summer. Every summer was go to the lake and we would camp and we would, would sail or get, we had a power boat too. So we did those things as a kid. Um, Our traveling as children always kind of revolved around my dad sailing. Uh So it's not like 
we did a lot of international travel or anything like that. Um, so it was around either sailing or soccer because I played soccer. So uh-huh. it was that. So I think it was always kind of in me, but it looked different because of life situations. And I didn't have the power and the say or the money <laughs> to go where I wanted to go as a kid. Yeah, it's a little different when you're a kid because you you are at the mercy of your parents. Mm-hmm. Right, right. What it is they want to do for sure. Did your father compete in sailing or mm-hmm. was it just, he did? He did. Yeah, he did. He did every Sunday. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a, it's a, it's a, a huge community, the sailing community. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a very, um, it's very different, let's say from landlubbers. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a very very different community. Yes, <laughs> and and your mom. Mm-hmm. How did this affect your mom? At the time? I think, I mean, her and I have talked about it a little bit, and I won't totally speak for her, but I think it was a rough time. They were they were still married. They were still together. It was in our house that it happened, so it was. I mean, I don't know. I, it would be really, really hard. I can't imagine to lose your husband is one thing, obviously. Um, so she lost her husband. She lost the father of, of her children. And then so navigating, how do you how do you grieve that loss but still show up for your kids? And I don't know how she did it. She did it. <laughs> but I don't know how it is. Um, I would imagine a very, very hard juggle to have to, to have to juggle. Oh so my God, yeah. We thankfully have a, a lot of really amazing supports between friends or family. Um, so I think that that is the number one way that we all kind of got through it is, I mean, the night that it happened, we probably had 25 people all there to, whether it be, help take care of us or help take care of her, help take care of the house or him or whatever the case may may be. They were there the next day to be like, okay, my my dad was the one that made the most money. Um, So finances were, were a struggle and we didn't have life, life insurance. Um, So figuring out like, how do we navigate this whole thing financially? So she had friends show up and like, here's this application. Here's what you need to do. Mm. I will do it. This is what I'm doing. So I had a lot of people really take the reins on things and help us out. Oh, thank God for that. Cause right. that doesn't always happen. Right. No, we were very, very fortunate that we have, we have a good team. Mm-hmm. And it must be a good small town too. It, it is. I have my moments on how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, but there, there are definitely good things that have come out of it. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's normal. I think we all have mixed feelings about where we grew up and mm. and the people around us. It is, of course, harder when you go through something traumatic, especially in high school. Right. You know, it, it's hard for it's hard for younger children, and and I'm I'm sure it was very hard for your brother as well. But being in high school on top of it being an awkward time as a human being, right? there's all those hormones. And, and you know, as you said, you didn't know who Katie was. Mm-hmm. And 
certainly didn't help. Right. But you're to be commended because not all of us who had a loss in our teenage years chose a good path or, or chose any path for that matter mm-hmm. in some cases uh, because yeah. some people freeze, some people hide, some people take the bull by the horns and, and mm-hmm. go on and live their life. And, and you obviously did that, which I think is quite incredible. Yeah, yeah. And also speaks to probably the, the strength of your mom. Mm-hmm. Did was there was there any indication like do you, you ever ask yourself did you see something in your dad or I knew that night oh we were um we were supposed to go well we weren't I wasn't going to go but I ended up being in the car somehow <laughs> wow. um we were supposed the circus was in town so we were supposed to be going to the circus that night um and there was like a whole thing of events that happened that day and that evening before going so I ended up I'm like fine I'll just go with everybody too um and he was in the car but he was still upset about the things that happened before and he actually got out of the car and started to walk home oh and my brother was like let's go to the circus I'm like nope we're like we need to go home and my mom knew we needed to go home so I knew and that's not the first time I knew like he had been in the hospital before um not that it had always been communicated with me yeah on that I also I also knew at that time that there was something going on whether I knew the extent of it or not I don't I don't know um but I knew something was going on but I knew that night that things were not normal and not okay and that we needed to go home yeah, yeah, and and that in itself, uh, were you closer to your dad than your mom? My dad was always my coach for soccer, so we spent a lot of time together for sports. My mom and I are still very similar on a lot of things, and I think that that caused a lot of tension and a lot of issues growing up. Yeah. Um, my mom is my best friend now as an adult and everything, yeah. So I don't, I mean, I probably was closer with my dad because I just spent more time with him with soccer and everything. It, it, the reason I asked is because often when it's children, if you're very close to the parent that you lose, you do have these not premonitions, but maybe feelings ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Even even when you don't know as a child, you you know there's something. Right. You may not be able to articulate it. Mm-hmm. But that does make it difficult. And one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because I, I want us all to end the silence and, and deal with the stigma and the shame that people go through. Right. Because you lose a loved one, it does not matter to me how it happened. Mm-hmm. You, you are suffering a loss of someone that you love. And, right. and that's what we need to remember. Mm-hmm. What was your dad's first name? Mike. Mike. Okay. That's, that's uh, I, I don't know, it's something that I've always asked people because I think it's important to, to give voice to the names of those we've lost. 
No, I agree. I agree. I like making sure when I'm working with other people and talking to people that we are using their names too. So I like it. And do you have children? I do. I have two. Okay. And what are your thoughts on age appropriate for children? When is it as a therapist, mm-hmm. when do you believe it's uh, a good time to share? It may be not in excessive detail, but share that you've lost someone. So, I mean, our kids are young. So I have a four, she'll be five in March. And yeah. then the other one is four months. So she's still at <laughs> <laughs> um, Our four-year-old she will she looks at pictures of my dad and she looks at him she knows that that's her grandpa she'll ask like what's his name because she knows like she knows that my mom is her grandma but she doesn't call her grandma so I let her name him because she's also their first grandkid so I'm like you get to you get to name him what do you want to call him so she calls him pop pop she has pictures of him she has her favorite pictures of him um she does as she has asked before, like where he is or if she can see him or visit him or something. I can't remember how it all happened exactly, but she has asked yeah. where he is. Um, and the conversation kind of threw me off guard at first. Cause I'm like, you're two and a half. Why, why are you asking where pop pop is? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we've gone to, and I think every family is going to be different on how they handle the conversation. And yeah. Granted, our family is not super religious or anything like that, but um, I don't know. The first thing that kind of came to both of us, because her other grandpa has also passed away. So the first thing that kind of came to both of us is like, your grandpas are in heaven. And right now, that's good enough for her. And she's like, yeah, "Yeah, they're in heaven. They're happy. So because we've had the conversation, too, of like, we've lost our dog. So we've had to to explain what happens and like why that's where her dog is so then she's like oh our dog is with pop pop like they're having fun um so it gives her like that sense of peace and comfort I guess I don't know and that's where, yeah that's where we are with the conversation right now is pop pop is in yeah. heaven and that's all she really knows and that's all she's really asked um I'm sure that as she gets older, she might ask more questions. Yeah. And I think that it's important too that at some point, whenever that point is, and I don't know when that's going to be, uh, it is going to be important for her to to know at least a little bit. She doesn't need to know the details if she doesn't oh. want to kind of thing. Um, but I think family history is important and mental health is part yes. of our family history and our medical history. So at some point, I think it is going to be important for her to know. I just don't know when that time is going to be yet. We're just playing our cards as she throws them at us. Absolutely. And and that's actually why I asked, because we're seeing kids younger and younger, not, not only not understanding, mm-hmm. but not understanding the thoughts in their own brains. And the fact mm-hmm. that we don't talk about it, we need to bring it out so kids know not every thought that runs through your head mm-hmm. is real or, or is true. And, and sometimes we, we can talk about those things now mm-hmm. and allow you to get that out of the way and, and not, 
I don't want to say cover up, but mm-hmm. you know, not not push it aside. Right. It's right. it's important for for us to acknowledge all of our mental health mm-hmm. and the fact that you know people in the family have gone through something, and you know after uh, PTSD affects so many people for so many reasons. I think it's really important that kids understand that as well. Yes, I think this kid is definitely a therapist child because we're very big on using our words and she's very big on her feelings. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you probably don't think so all the time, but not all the time. There are times that it can be challenging as a parent. Uh, but oh, then yeah. I just remind myself of like, we want strong, independent women. And yeah. that's what we're raising her to be. And it'll all be good. It'll all be good for her in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are challenge, there are definitely challenging days with children for sure. <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to say, and and do you do you think your your father's death led you down the path of your career? Or was it something you, it wasn't something you were leaning towards prior? I was always thinking about being in the field of like working with people and helping people. So yes, in that aspect, that's always been a thing. Um, but specifically working on therapy and mental health. No, no. I think his death and the way that he did die is absolutely what pushed me into the mental health direction of helping people and working with people. Because I was looking more of like the medical side and the medical aspect. But after that, I was like, no, that's not the route that I want to go. No. And I, it's, it's a very double-edged sword that we have to live through these things to have full empathy mm-hmm. for others who are going through these things. Right. And, and that makes you a very good therapist. Because you you understand. Right. I think, I mean, it definitely it definitely gives me kind of that benefit is I've been through something too. So yes. it gives that relatability. And I, I say yeah. that all the time when I'm meeting with potential clients is like I can have the entire alphabet behind my name and I can have all the degrees and all the certificates and all the training in the world. But if you feel like I can't relate to you or I don't understand you or you just don't like my personality, because that's a big thing, too, I'm not the right therapist for you because that relationship between a therapist and a client is so important. And that is going to be more important and more impactful and lead to more success than having the whole alphabet behind my name. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And it's. It's interesting because I've had this discussion about the medical field in general. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that doctors, all doctors, need to go through the process of surgery before you can fully understand how to be a good surgeon. Right, right. You know, and, and the same for dentists. And I think it's really important for you to be able to have had that that knowledge, that understanding, so that you can be much more empathetic. Right. No, I agree. I agree. 
And it will resonate, I'm sure, with your clients as well. Yeah, yeah. And you have a you have a rather broad based practice as well. I've definitely been in a lot of different areas throughout my career, for sure. Um, whether it be in working with children, working with families, working in schools, working in child protection. So I've definitely been in a variety of areas, and then yeah. also working in like nonprofits or community mental health agencies. Oh, okay. So, and then private practices. And then I have just recently gone out on my own. So now that I'm out on my own, I am being a little bit more like strict and narrow about what I take and like really honing in on my skill set and my area of expertise and all of that. So now that I'm on my own, I am being a little bit more picky and strict about who I'm working with, but I feel like I kind of can be, and that's how I'm going to be the most successful is just really absolutely honing in on my, my strengths. Uh, absolutely. Cause when, when that's what you bring to the table, then that's where you can be most effective. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On that note, uh, we talked briefly before this about some, I think, I think it's exciting upcoming news. Yeah. What is it you're going to be doing in March? No, I am excited about it. It's something that I have been wanting to do for a, a while and life, life kept happening. Um, so it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. In March, I am going to start a group for people that have lost someone to suicide and working on helping people to find that strength again after losing a loved one to suicide and, and helping them through that process and that journey. And I think in the mental health world, we always say it's okay to not be okay. And that's absolutely true. Like it is okay for us to not have good days all the time because that's reality Mm -hmm. human beings. And I feel like the other thing, especially with a suicide loss is reminding people that it's also okay to be okay because we have so much guilt. I think when it comes to suicide of like, they were obviously in this not so good headspace and that's where they were and they were clearly struggling and battling and fighting with themselves internally. So I think sometimes when we, we work through that grief, grief is hard and it's complicated and there's all these different things. And then when we get to that acceptance stage of grief, we can also be like, Ooh, then there's this guilt of, I shouldn't be okay. I shouldn't just be like going and living my happy life when like this, this person was going through all these terrible things and this is what happened. Like, how can I, how can I be okay and live my life and be happy and excited? So you feel guilty. And I think it's a normal part of grief, especially with the suicide grief. And I also want people to know that like, it's okay to still like be happy and excited about life. And another piece to that is there is no time frame. No, there's not a timeline on, on grief, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And just because there's the stages of grief and you've gone through the stages of grief doesn't mean that it's not going to come back up for you another time. Life events seem to bring that grief back up where it's like, I've already gone through these things. So why am I going through Like, why am I depressed again? I was... I went through depression. So why am I depressed? But life events seem to bring those things back up. I totally agree. 
I, I've often thought it's kind of like a merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get back on, but it's there and, and it's attached to me. And there are things that that are part of my history. And, mm-hmm. and you find yourself sometimes right back on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that over the years, that's that's been a a common question for people is, well, how long is too long? Like, or how short is too short? And and I think it's really important that we reinforce the fact that everybody is individual. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's going to look different for everybody and it's yeah. going to feel different for everybody. Yeah. And I mean, you can go back to the fact that my brother and I are in the same family in the same household and we had the same like upbringing, but we grieved differently. And that doesn't mean that either one of us grieved right or wrong. We no. grieved the way that we needed to grieve at that time. And and that's a really super point. There is no right or wrong to mm-hmm. grieve. It just is, however it is for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the other reason that I do the podcast is because we found that in sharing your story, it can somewhat lighten your burden mm-hmm. and can give you the opportunity to sometimes bolster the good memories and and remember to say their names. Right. No, I think... I think it can be really empowering to share your story because there is so much stigma and there's so much judgment and negativity around mental health and around suicide specifically, where I think that there's times that we can be shamed for, yeah, for our lives and our stories and our journeys. But when you go through it and you finally find your voice to be able to share your story and know that it can actually impact other people in yes. really positive ways. It is also really empowering and therapeutic to just like get it out of you. So it helps you and it can help other people. Yeah. And sometimes that's the, just that extra incentive you need mm-hmm. to deal with another little piece of your grief is to share your story. Yeah, absolutely. So is there something you would like to leave the audience with that either something you find useful, something that that you tell your clients, something that's intrinsically you. Oh, I don't know. That's a hard one. I mean, I do remind my clients like making making yourself a priority, as, especially as like as a parent. Um, you still have to put yourself first. And I know not everyone agrees with that, but we do have to make ourselves a priority so that we can take care of ourselves and we can show up the best way that we can show up in all of our other areas of life. And then I also do, I like to, especially when it's suicide and those that have lost someone to suicide is just reminding them that it is okay to be okay. And it's okay to be happy and excited about life again, because that's what you deserve. It was beautifully said, Katie. Thank you so much. Of course. I really appreciate 
Katie Thornton being with us today. And I look forward to perhaps talking with you again, Katie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm Elaine Lindsay. This is Suicide Zen Forgiveness. As per always, make the very best of your today every day. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll get notified for the next episode. And if what you hear here resonates or helps in any way, please kindly leave a review. It'll be greatly appreciated. And remember, sharing your story can help lighten your burden. It's always with much gratitude that I end each show, confident in the positive message my guest has shared. In spite of losing her father as a teen, I want to thank Katie Thornton and remind you to have a look at her links in the notes. I look forward to having you join me next time. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results. And also by Canada's keynote humorist, Judy Kroon, the motivational speaker, comedian, author, and stand-up coach at Second City. On the stage, Judy draws from her wealth of performance experience, wit, and insight to entertain, inform, and inspire in her dynamic keynotes and half-day workshops.